0: As we've been going through our series on The Real God, my hope and my prayer is that you have been taking the things that we have learned about God and you have been further exploring those things yourself Uh, because this is not just something that we can fully understand by going through an eight-week teaching series. This is not something we can understand even by just going through the various community groups that we have available. And I just think that we need to continually be uh, growing in this understanding of who God is because how we see God is truly the most important thing about us because it literally shapes everything that we do. It shapes the decisions we make. It shapes the way that we trust or maybe even the lack of trust, the things we'll go to God for. All those things really come out of this idea of the understanding of who God is. So we want to know God for who he truly is, not for who we've perhaps been told that he is, Maybe not even perhaps who we've come to think that He is based on our own experience. But what does the Word of God say about our Creator, our Father? That's the source we need to go to, amen? Because everything else is relative. Everything else is based on the lenses that we were handed. Maybe there are certain traditions about God and certain ways of operation that you thought God operated, certain things you thought He did. Certain things you thought were all important to God and that mattered and all these things that you were raised with. And then Scripture shows you really the heart of God, shows you exactly what God values, shows you His character, shows you His nature. And today we're going to talk about the wisdom of God. So I want to ask you this question. What is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now? Right now, today, in this moment? I want you to just think about that. In other words, if you could ask God to fix one thing in your life, what would that be? Over the past few weeks, we've learned about God's goodness. We've learned that He's sovereign, that He's holy. And today we're going to discover the real God by diving into the subject of His wisdom. Because God is all-wise, amen? He is all-wise, But we always don't see the wisdom of God because He knows and understands things that we do not know, that we don't understand. James 3 and 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I want us to just zero in on that for a minute. And let's think about what James wrote here. James is saying that God's wisdom is first pure. Think about that pure wisdom. Isn't it interesting that out of all the things James could list first, he starts off with the purity. He wants the reader to understand that the most important, the first attribute before we list any of these others is that this is a pure wisdom. This is not something that's tainted by sin of any kind. This is not some type of bait and switch. This is not some type of ulterior motive. In other words, God's wisdom is pure. It's from above. And most important of all, it can be trusted. And because it can be trusted, it's peaceable. I can trust God's wisdom because I know that it's pure. And it brings me peace. Because of who He is. Because He is trustworthy. Because He is pure. Because He is holy. And I know that whatever He says is going to be what's best. Even if I don't see it. Well, how about this? Especially when I don't see it. It's still best. Because He sees things from eternity present and eternity future. He knows and He sees And he cares, and he can be trusted because there's no impure motive there. And because of the peace that we get from being able to trust God, we know that he's also gentle, that he's reasonable, that he's full of mercy, and that that mercy, it produces good fruit because there's no partiality. And it's very sincere how beautiful of a description of God and his wisdom is this in James 3 and 17. I just think it's absolutely incredible. We don't always see it when we're in the middle of a challenge. We don't always see it when we're in the middle of a trial, when we're in the middle of some kind of storm, when we're in the middle of something that maybe is pulling our mind away from doubting that if it, is God really good? Is God really trustworthy? Because you may be seeing things in your life that may not be going the way that you had hoped or that you had thought. I remember that when we were in our community group this past week, um, we were talking about the goodness of God. We're a few weeks behind in our community group with our study on the real God because we've had sickness in our home. Um, And of course, we've had a lot of weather challenges as well. But we were talking about the goodness of God this past Monday in our community group. And one of the questions that was asked in the group was, when was a time when you knew for a fact that this was the goodness of God. And then when was a time when you didn't see the goodness of God in that moment, but later on, after kind of the dust had settled, when there had been some type of, uh, of, of end result, you could look back and see the goodness of God when you didn't see it. But now you had a different vantage point. And I began to share this story about when our family moved to Texarkana, Texas, Texas. I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma, and our son was um, still a a little baby. He was uh, uh, 14, 15 months old, and my wife and I became pregnant. We didn't know at the time that it was with twin girls, um, because you don't really plan those sorts of things. God just kinda does that. And we didn't know it was gonna be twins, of course, but we knew my wife was expecting. And every time that we would leave Oklahoma to go visit my wife's family in Arkansas, we would take Interstate 30, which would pass through a good-sized city called Texarkana, Texas. And if you've ever heard of Texarkana, it's about the size of like an Appleton or something like that, about 120,000 or so. And it's a good-sized town, and every time we would pass through, We just felt grieved in our heart. We thought, man, we we feel called to this area. I don't know why. It's weird. We'd always stop and and eat lunch there on the way to go see my wife's family in Arkansas. And we would talk about what if we moved to Texarkana and we planted a church. Isn't that crazy? What a crazy idea. A couple of young 20-somethings with, you know, a baby and with what we didn't know was two on the way. And so we began to talk about this. We went to our pastor, talked to him about it. We talked to one of the gals that was on our youth staff about it. And we ended up going and planting a church in Texarkana, Texas, when I was 24 years old with my wife expecting twins and uh, us having a baby. And actually, uh, one of the girls that was on our youth staff in Oklahoma moved with us. We didn't know anybody. It wasn't like we went there knowing a bunch of people and we could just go see some old friends. No, we didn't know anyone in this town. All we knew is that we had a call from God to go here, and we had this passion. And let me tell you, folks, during that time, we experienced the most severe hardships that we ever have in our life. And there were times where... I was doubting the goodness of God in a big way because I was getting angry at God because we were struggling financially. Uh, we were struggling with the health of our twins after they were born. We were struggling with our, uh, uh, our, our living situation. And then, you know, for some reason we decided it was a good idea in the midst of all that to buy a house and flip it, um, which is always a good idea, especially when you have absolutely zero carpentry skills whatsoever. But you watch a lot of HGTV, and you get inspired. So we went and bought a house that needed a lot of work, and we moved in, and we started ripping up stuff that we didn't know how to replace, and we went and bought stuff. We didn't know what it meant, but hey, we had YouTube, right? And so we went and tried to do things we had never done before, made a mess, spent way too much money, got in all kinds of of financial struggles and financial binds to where I was so angry all of the time. I was just angry. I was just a very angry person, and I was looking for someone to be angry at. Sometimes I would be angry at the kids because all of a sudden their health became an inconvenience. I'd be angry with my wife, um, and of course I'd be angry um, with the, the church or with this other situation where we tried to merge our church with another church, and it ended up actually, that person ended up actually hurting us, lying to us, disappointing us, And we got burned through that deal. And here we were, we had nothing. And we have no church now because that basically got stolen from us in in a bad deal. And um, we're just struggling to pay the bills. And um, man, we're having to choose which one do we pay. And I remember saying to the Lord, God, I moved here for you. I remember saying to God like, you know, you kind of owe me, is what I was really saying. Because I moved here for you. I had a good life in Oklahoma. Everything was good. Everybody loved us there. We, we enjoyed living there. We loved being around those people, and we had a successful youth ministry. And I told God, I moved here for you. And I was very angry. How come things aren't going better? I did all this for you. I I gave up all this stuff for you. I gave up comforts. I gave up uh, a good salary. My wife gave up a good salary at her job. And here we are just barely even getting by. And As I look back on that, I began to think, wow, I had a very hard time seeing the fact that God was good during that time. But let me tell you something. God was good in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that trial, in the middle of that struggle. God was still good. He didn't change. He didn't all of a sudden stop being good. He didn't all of a sudden put a pause button on his goodness because I was struggling and things weren't going the way I thought they should. But it seemed like every time we would try to do something that, man, we just ran into obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And then one day I started watching a certain minister that, uh, that ministered to me uh, pastor uh, by the name of Willie George. I just started watching some sermons of his. And I just feel like God was just using that ministry through the online uh, stream just to minister to me. And so God used that ministry to just speak right to me. Have you ever been there before where you just turned something on or you, you came to a church, maybe you were even visiting and it was just the right thing you needed to hear that day? It's like God knew. And you're like, does the pastor like have my house like wiretapped or something? And you just wonder like, do they know what's going on behind closed doors? Because he just was speaking straight to my heart. It bypassed my, my reasoning and just went straight to my heart, and I was so moved, and I and I listened to Pastor George because when I was a kid, he used to have a children's television program called Gospel Bill, and I remember the children's program, and so I just wanted to see what was going on with Willie George Ministries. Well, during that time, we ended up becoming the pastors in Arkansas uh, at a, at a small church out in the country there where we pastored for about two and a half years. And during that time, I still kept watching Pastor George, and I was beginning to heal. God was beginning to heal, all of that stuff in me. And then God uh, opened this door to where Pastor George um, announced, this is a big, huge church of 20-something thousand people, and uh, announced that if you were interested in coming to be a part of this event, you could spend the day with he and his staff, but only 21 pastors were going to get invited. And I was like, okay, so I put my name in and, and, and we, we paid the money and all that stuff and we got to go. We, we got in in time and we were able to go and spend time with Pastor George and spend time with his staff. And they had just hired this guy. Um, uh, he was a brand new hire there to run their uh, children's camp and his name was Kirby Anderson. And uh, I met Kirby, didn't know him before, met him, And out of everyone there, all the 21 pastors that were in attendance that day, a lot of people wanted to flock to Pastor George, but my wife and I ended up talking to Kirby and his wife, Gail. And we became, uh, you know, kind of friendly with them and enjoyed that. Went and toured the camp with Kirby and Gail. None of the other pastors showed up. Just my wife and I showed up that day for the tour, and it was really cool. Got to spend the day with Kirby and Gail, get to know them a little more. Ended up going and taking the kids from our church in Arkansas to the camp that Kirby operated and ended up going and uh, uh, spending the week with Kirby and his wife, Gail. Went to another conference there, spent more time with Kirby and Gail, got to know them. And about two and a half years into serving as pastors in Arkansas, we knew that God was transitioning us. We didn't know what to, but we knew God was transitioning us. And we talked to the church about it, and they knew, and they agreed, and it was a good mutual transition. And I looked and found this church online in Wisconsin, and it was called Word of Grace. And my wife says, I'm not moving to Wisconsin. <laughs> and we began to think about all the challenges that we had been through, how alone we had been, how, how we had struggled alone, how we had been through all those trials alone. And uh, I said, well, let's just pray about it and see. And ended up uh, getting a call. And uh, they said they wanted to talk to us. And uh, we said, well, we need to do some more research into the church because this is getting very serious. And they basically let me know it was between me and and another person that they were seriously looking at Um, It had gotten that serious. And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize we were that far along. Uh, I hadn't really done a ton of research on the church, so I went and looked, and the pastor at the time was Glenn Quirk, and looked at Pastor Glenn, listened to a few of his messages and some of the other staff's messages, and they said there had been this pastor that was at Word of Grace for 19 years, but I didn't think anything about it because I only knew Pastor Glenn. And I went and looked on the website to see if perhaps maybe they kept some of the older messages from the previous pastor on there. So I scroll down on their little message player on their website, and I see this name. It says Kirby Anderson. And I said, that's weird. I know a guy named Kirby Anderson. He works in Oklahoma at Pastor Willie George's church. And I clicked play on it, and it was the same voice. I immediately picked up the phone and, and called Pastor Kirby, and I said, you're not going to believe what's happening and where I'm flying to interview. And Pastor Kirby and I have enjoyed a great relationship, and, and, I've, uh, and I know we're where God has called us to be. I've been the pastor here for seven years at Word of Grace. And Seen God do some phenomenal things, and and I can honestly say that where we are as a church, and I've grown up in church my whole life, I believe this is the healthiest church that I've ever even been a part of. Forget that I'm the pastor, just that I've ever been a part of. This is the healthiest church I've ever been a part of. We have a wonderful board, a wonderful staff. Church is healthy financially. We're healthy uh, in unity as a church. We're just doing really well, and all the glory and honor for that goes to God and God alone. But I would have missed out on all of that. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I would have missed out on all of that if I would have given up way back when. And it's not because I'm so great or because I'm so smart or I'm so strong, because believe me, I'm not, really. (laughs) But as I look back on where I am now and where my family is now and where my marriage is now, because you can just imagine the toll that took on my marriage. In my relationship with my kids, and how I had to repent of a lot of things, how I had to repent of a lot of selfishness, a a lot of pride, a lot of anger, a lot of stuff that I was trying to justify. I had to let all that stuff go, and God had to heal all that stuff in my life. And I can look back from where I am now, and I can see the goodness of God, and I can see the wisdom of God connecting me to relationships that I didn't even know I needed in order to position me for where I was supposed to be. And I happened to watch the guy that I saw as a child when I desperately needed to be ministered to. And then I pursued actually going and connecting and met this pastor, ended up finding favor with some of those people on staff. It's just the grace of God. It's the grace of God. In the middle of our trials in Texarkana, I did not see the wisdom of God, but I knew that all of this was leading and working to the fact that God reveals His wisdom through His Word and through wise living. People who are living in the wisdom of God recognize His ways are better. His ways may not be your ways. You may have wanted a different path. You may have wanted a different journey. You may have wanted things to be different. You may look back and go, oh no, maybe I married the wrong person. Oh no, maybe I took the wrong job. Maybe I did the wrong this. Maybe I did the wrong that. Listen, you need to trust that God has you in His hands and He's going to lead you and guide you into His perfect plan and His perfect will if you will submit and trust Him. So that means if He's telling you that it's time for you to take a different job, then maybe you need to listen. But don't just take a different job because things are hard. Amen? Amen. Don't just take a different job because things are tough. Because guess what? Things are going to be tough at the next place. You want to know why? Because there's people there. (laughs) That's why. There are people there, and there are going to be challenges that you're going to face. You think if leaving that marriage relationship, finding another one is going to be better, that's a person too? Listen. God has you in a place where if you will rest and trust and listen to Him and seek His will, His wisdom will lead you to where He wants you to be. And also through wise living. His thoughts are better. And we will submit our ways and our thoughts to pick up His, even if we don't understand. Even if things don't go the way that we think they should. Because as I look back on Texarkana, it did not go the way that I thought that it should. But God has done so much healing in me that I didn't even know needed to be done because he exposed so many things in me that I didn't know needed to be exposed. Things that needed to be dealt with that I thought I was pretty good at. Things that God wanted to set up for me and my family. Things that God wanted to set up for our church family. Things that God wanted to set up for my children. And I had to say, yes, Lord. And and I had to trust. And there were times where it was so hard, because I wanted to quit and I wanted to give up. And, and I told God one day, I told him, I said, isn't there something else I can do other than ministry? And God said, yes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there is, huh? In other words, God isn't going, oh, please, I hope they do it. Oh, I really, really hope they do it. Oh, man, I hope they do it. Please, 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 please. God's not groveling at our feet begging us. God is going to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. He he, he is more powerful than my willingness to comply with what He wants to do. And He knows. He knows my heart. He knows where I'm at. And He's trying to work in me something that's going to bring about something beautiful and something for my good and His glory. Amen? We have to trust him. Go over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, if you have your Bible this morning. Ephesians, chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 15 through 17, where he says, where the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5 and 15. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the lord is he said listen we have to make the most use of our time we need to understand what the will of the lord is and for us to do that we have to learn from his wisdom and seek him as the source of wisdom in all things he is the source of wisdom for all things you need to get that settled in your heart because if you don't get that in your heart you're going to miss it he is the source of wisdom for all things not just some things but all things god is not just himself wise he is wisdom he is the very source of wisdom and his wisdom is worth us seeking in all things not just some things we like to pick and choose the things we want to seek God's wisdom in. We like to just cherry pick and say, I'm going to seek God's wisdom in this area, but you know, this area over here, I'm kind of self-sufficient. And that's where arrogance and pride gets us, gets us into trouble because we think we know better than God, or we already know what God would say. Or we already know what God has determined about that, but we just choose to ignore it because we figure if we say yes enough over here, that these few things we wanna hang on to over here don't really matter as much. Or at least we hope, we hope maybe God won't pay attention to the things we wanna you know, ignore what he says. Uh, because look at all of what I've said yes to. And God's like, yeah, but you're still holding on to this. You're not seeking my wisdom in this area. You're not seeking my wisdom when it comes to your finances. But yeah, you're seeking marriage when it comes to maybe marriage or parenting, but you're, you're not seeking my wisdom over here in this area. You haven't really given me this. Or, or your habits or your hobbies. You're, you're not really seeking my wisdom there because some of those things that you've chosen as entertainment choices are not glorifying me. And, and you're not seeking my wisdom back here with these things because you're trying to sweep them under the rug. And God's like, I'm the source of wisdom for all things. God is the source of wisdom for all things. We, we did something a few weeks ago where we sent out a survey because our focus and theme this year as a church is we want to grow in serious faith. We want to take our faith seriously. We want to grow in spiritual maturity. And so as we have made this focus of serious faith this year, we wanted to send out an assessment and there was no right or wrong answer. And so I'm going to share with you a couple of the things that as we sent out this survey, people that responded to where they said they were at. And this is not to shame anybody, okay? This is just an honest assessment of where we're at. And what it shows us is it shows us the areas that we're strong in, and it also shows us the areas that we need to grow in. It shows us the things that we need to actually grow in taking more seriously. And so I just pulled a couple out that were relevant to this message about seeking the wisdom of God. And this is what our church said. When I go through a challenge in life, I go to the Bible for answers. Always, 20% said always, 29% said usually, 40% said sometimes, 8% said rarely, and 3% said never. So when I go through a challenge, I go to Scripture to the source of, of understanding more about God's character and seeking His wisdom, the majority of our church says sometimes. It's a sometimes thing because where we're at is that we're still heavily, heavily, heavily depending on our own wisdom. We're heavily depending on our own understanding because sometimes we'll go seek God's Word, but you know only really about 40% of the time. The other one was, when I face major life decisions, I go to God. Always 53%, usually 29%, sometimes 17%, rarely 1%, and no one checked never. So that's a good thing. At least we're going to God. I I find it interesting (coughs) as we look at the contrast of those two questions, because one question was about going to the Word of God, and one was about going to God. Here's the challenge with that. 53%, so more than half of the people in our church said that when a challenge arises, they go to God. One of the best and strongest ways to get to know God is through His Word. Are you hearing me today? I want you to catch this because this is going to help us grow if we'll understand, trust this, and submit to this. One of the best ways to know God is through His Word. And if we're only going to His Word 40% sometimes, but we're saying that we always go to God 53% of the time, we're not really understanding who God really is when we go to Him. Are you catching that? We're not really understanding God, so we're going to God based on our idea of who God is rather than who the Word says that He is because we're not going to the Word. We need to go to the Word. To see the difference in those numbers shows me that we don't understand the value of going to the Word of God because I don't know if we really feel that the Word of God is relevant to our lives like we should. And I think we know these things in our mind, and I thank you for your honesty, but in practice, The best way to know God is spending time with Him. And you spend time with Him through the Word of God, through prayer, through fellowshipping with Him, through being around other people who are also serving Him so you can get to know the real God. And when you go to Him, when you talk to Him, when you're seeking His wisdom, you're seeking a God whom you know, not just whom you know about and hopes will bail you out of this challenge. I don't want to just go to God as my, as my bail bondsman, okay? I don't want to go to God just as the person who's going to bail me out of this situation. And then, I, But I don't really know Him. I just know, help, I, I need to get out of this situation. Please do something about it. I'm going to you, at, at least 53% say I go to you always when I'm facing a challenge. But then... Only 20% says, I go to your word when I face a challenge. God is the source of wisdom. And again, please don't take this as, as a shaming or anything like that, because that's not the intent. But why would we not go to him 100% of the time? Why would we not go to him 100%? I, I'm saying this to myself. Why would 100% of us not say, I go to God always when there are challenges that arise because I trust that he's the source of wisdom. I trust that he knows better than me. I trust that he's smarter than Dr. Field, Dr. Oz, Dr. Spock, whoever. (coughs) I trust in his wisdom, amen? And if I trust in the wisdom of God, I can rest Why would I not go to His Word? Because this book that He has given us, this is the ultimate source of wisdom. Over and over again, we're told to meditate on the Scripture, to hide the Word of God in our heart, to wash our minds with the water of the Word, to renew our thinking in line with God's Word. Why would we not go here first? It's really because we're trusting ourselves more than we're trusting God. Or we're trusting other sources, which really means we're trusting ourselves because we think this other pathway or this other way is going to get us what we're looking for. We're looking somewhere else. But here's the beauty of the wisdom of God. We can rest in the wisdom of God. Oh, I want you to get this today. We can rest in the wisdom of God. In Romans chapter 11 In verse 33, Paul writes to the church in Rome, Romans 11 and 33, where he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has been given a gift to him that he might be repaid for him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. This is all written as Paul gets through describing God's promise to Israel and also having tied into the contrast of of the predestination and free will and and being grafted into the vine and all those different teachings and all those things. And through all of that contrast, he's saying, he's wise. He, He knows things we don't know. God's aware of what you're going through He's not turned a blind eye or a deaf ear to you during your trial. He's wise. And you can rest in his wisdom. In the book, The Real God, Chip Ingram quotes uh, one of his seminary professors, Dr. Charles, Charles Ryrie. He said this, The wisdom of God is that attribute of God which he will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest period of time. The wisdom of God is that attribute of God which he will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest period of time. What if we actually believe that? What if we actually believe that God is good? That God is faithful to his word? What if we actually believed that he is trustworthy? What if we believe that his wisdom is pure? What if we believe that God knows better than you and I? What if we believe that if God has spoken something that we can rest and it's our job just to have faith and to trust and rest, would you have more peace if you believed those things? Would we have more peace if we could just rest? Would we be able to rest like Christ was able to rest in in the boat in the middle of the storm? Remember, the disciples were freaking out, and Jesus was resting. Would we be able to rest in in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the challenge, knowing that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid because He's with me? His rod, His staff is comforting me. He's actually preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. If we really believed that, and if it wasn't just something that we learned to be able to earn some sort of badge or notch on our belt, but we actually believed the Word of God, would we not have a peace that would pass our understanding? It would guard our heart. It would guard our mind through Christ Jesus. You see, if we believe that He is good, if we believe He's sovereign, if we believe He's holy, if we believe that He's wise, if we believe that He's the first and the last, He's the beginning and the end, we believe that He is preeminent, there is nothing greater, no one better, no one higher than Jesus, then we should be able to trust and rest. Because you cannot rest if you don't know God. You cannot rest if you don't know God. If you know about God, but you don't know him, you won't have any rest because you think everything is up to you to figure out. If you think God is just here to bail you out when things get tough, then you need to know the real God. If you think that God is some sort of good deeds exchange type system, then you don't know the real God. If you think that God never wants to do anything good for you and that you'll never measure up and He's always going to be ashamed of you, then you don't know the real God. This may be the most important thing that you ever hear in your life because the next few things that I say could literally change your life in eternity forever. So if you're out in the commons, put away all distractions. If you're watching online, It's time to put away all distractions. I really believe that the next few things that I say could literally change your life and your eternity forever. If you're feeling a tug on your heart right now in this moment, that is the real God inviting you to know Him. Inviting you to know who he really is. Listen, you may have been raised in church. You may have just been trying to be a good moral person. You may be able to recite the rosary. You may have scored a perfect score at Awana. Or maybe at your childhood catechism. But listen, you may have even been the preacher's kid. You may have been baptized, confirmed, and everything else but I'm telling you that there is a difference between knowing a lot about God and knowing the real God. There is a difference. This may be your moment to respond right now. This may be the moment where you become born again, where your commitment to Christ goes beyond wearing jewelry and showing up to a church service on Sunday but to where you actually have an encounter with the real God and you receive by faith what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross and you were introduced for the first time to a God you only thought you knew. Because if you don't know Him, you can't rest in your trials. You just know about Him. But today in this moment, this may be the moment where your eternity is changed forever because you begin to see what you have not seen before. You begin to see the real God. You begin to see his goodness, his sovereignty, his holiness, his wisdom, his justice, his love, his faithfulness, his kindness. And his kindness is leading you to a place of repentance right now. A place where you recognize your need for Jesus and you cry out to him and you say, I need you, Jesus. A place where you cry out to God and say, forgive me, I just thought I knew you. A place where your heart is flooded with a peace that passes your understanding. A place where you feel freedom like never before. Where you're freed from the expectations of other people. A place where you're freed from your desire to do things that displease God or for chasing after things other than chasing after God. A place where He becomes more important than anything or anyone else. If God is doing that in someone online, let, would you please let the chat moderator know so they can pray with you? If God is doing that in someone right now, or even someone in the commons, would you please come? Would you, if you need to repent for not trusting God and resting in His wisdom, you need to respond because here's the thing. Just going, amen, pastor, this is good. I've taken a whole lot of notes and, and I feel really good about the notes that I've taken. I believe God is calling some people to move today, to do some things. So I want to ask the prayer team if you would come down to the front. I'm going to ask Elizabeth to sing a song. So church, I would invite you all to just go ahead and stand in this moment. And I want us to just talk about how deep the Father's love is for us. And if you need prayer this morning, we want to minister to you. So prayer team, would you go ahead and come to the front, please, so we can just be available to minister, so we can pray, so we can help. However, to just minister to you, to to love on you, to be able to pray for you in these next few moments. If God is tugging on your heart, you need to respond. You need to do something, because today could be a day that changes your forever. We worship you, Jesus.